Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is Evan, and I I just want to say I appreciate y'all checking me out on another episode of the 195 Snails Podcast, the travel podcast that you deserve. Now, I know it's been a minute. I say that a lot. I'm going to stop saying that again. But anyway, um, big news for, for the world, for, for us here in America, because um, we ain't, you know, we ain't taking COVID seriously. We just said, fuck it, apparently. You know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of cases a day. We we don't give a damn. But Pfizer said, you know, y'all don't give a damn, but we do. They got the vaccine coming out. Now, whether you are pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine, it means a lot. Um, you know, off the top of my head, I can think, one, you know, the, the world is going to start to slowly open back up. Uh, two, I'm going to start have to put on uh, real clothes again to go to work. Um, so, yeah, that... You know, conference calls and sweatpants shit. That's 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 on the way to being canceled, unfortunately. Um, but you know, there's there's nothing wrong with going to the office. Sometimes you miss that human interaction. Sometimes you, you know, when somebody doesn't answer your email, you got to go poke your head over where they desk at and just kind of give them the the eyebrows with the, you know, can can you check? Can you get back to me on that? You know, or running into them awkwardly uh, in the parking lot. You know, hey, John, did you see the note I sent? You know, sometimes you got to run down on niggas in corporate America. You know, that's that's not just for the street. Sometimes you got to do it in corporate America, too. But anyway, um, we can look forward to that all all we want to. Um, and most importantly, we're going to be able to go somewhere other than Mexico. Um, so, I, bro, Tulum, y'all, Tulum is worn the hell out. And I'm glad everybody going there because Tulum is a beautiful place. If you haven't been, you have to go. Like, you know, you get all of the 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 beauty and 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 pricing of uh, you know Cancun and regular Mexico, um, but the scenery is is crazy. Um, everything is a picture moment. It's just a sensory overload for the eyes and the nose um, and the and, and taste with all the restaurants. So. You know, no, no shade to Tulum, but Tulum ass get worn out. We passing Tulum around, um, but the world gonna open back up. You know, so maybe, you know, Europe, Africa, Asia, you know, all, all that's possible. All that is now possible, um, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. So today, I have um, a really, a really informative guest. I really enjoyed my conversation. Um, Sinea from Flynanced. Um, love the name too. Um, so she is a personal finance fire lifestyle um, blogger advocate. And and for those unfamiliar, uh, the uninitiated fire is uh, an acronym: financial independence, retire early. And the goal of fire is to make you work optional uh, a lot sooner than. You know, just your traditional work for 45 years, retire on your 401k and, you know, maybe a couple other stocks and bonds you got there. It's about creating actual passive streams of income. Now, you may think to yourself, damn, Evan, that sounds like I can't travel. Nah, 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 nah. It's about that, too. You know, one thing about personal finances is damn personal. So. Whether you want to, you know, take your money and go buy a bunch of designer stuff or save it up to buy, you know, a house, which is an asset. Um, there are different uh, kind of areas you can you can put your money in to where traveling, um, it can still be in the budget. You know, take 5% of, you know, your paycheck if you can afford to do so, 2%, whatever percent you can, and put it into, you know, just an online checking account that you don't have direct access to. Um, to, you know, if you want to go to the Bahamas or you want to go, you know, to Thailand or whatever it is, right? The goal is to make these vacations cash only, no more credit cards, cash only or points. Um, and I understand that that might be a heavy lift for, for a lot of folks. Um, but you know, we all deserve vacations. We all deserve the chance to get away from the hustle and bustle, everything that's going on, especially now. Right. Because things are, things are a lot like this is mentally taxing on a lot of people. So, 
I'm not sitting here judging if anybody wants to to get away from it. Um, but what I am saying is we should be able to do that responsibly. Um, and you'll really enjoy it. Um, we talked about everything, obviously, personal finance, talked about travel, uh, where she wants to go, what she's been doing, um, how you uh, can uh, be introduced in, in, into this fire lifestyle, whether that's certain books, a uh, certain profile on Instagram to follow, uh, maybe even, hell, uh, a couple of different checking accounts she talks about um, and, and, and ways to, to build some of these passive strings of income. Um, the ability to uh, pull from maybe one account and pay down some debt uh, as long as you have a plan, right? So a lot of, a lot of really good information, um, you know, taking a look at your finances is that's a mature thing to do, no matter what age you are, whether you 50 or 25, right? The ability to sit down and say, look, I bring in this much amount per month and I spend this amount per month. This is what I have left over. And then looking at that excess excess and saying, all right, I can save this or looking where you're short and like, damn, I need to cut this. Um, so, you know, it, it's a very, very, very hard decision. Um, you got to take a look in the mirror when you do that, but I mean, it's worth it. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I really enjoyed this. I think you will too. Uh, we went, uh, for about an hour. So if you need to split it up into two, uh, feel free. Um, but yeah, you know, please, uh, make sure you uh, go and follow her on Instagram at Flyness and check out the content that she has uh, coming for you this week. All right, I will talk to you all later. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm here with Sania from Flyness. Sania, what's going on? How you doing today? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. No problem. You know, I can't complain. It's um it's a slow Saturday here um in Atlanta. And one thing that I uh I've kind of immersed myself with now um during during COVID is uh going outside and just being free, walking around, um watching terrible movies um on on TV. And today is just one of those days, man. Like I'm not going anywhere. You know, the 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 travel podcast life is tough when travel is kind of restricted. But some yeah. people are out here. We're not judging them, but some folks is out here. Um, but what about you? What what are you doing during during COVID to keep yourself busy? Wow. Okay. This question is so interesting because truly living through COVID-19 has been a journey, right? When I think about so I'm here in New York City. So that I'm was ground about- zero. Okay, (laughs) literally ground zero for COVID-19. It was very scary in around March, April. Um, So when I think about where I was then to where I am now, there have been so many things I immersed myself um, in. I've like started a more of a a fitness journey. So I've been working with a personal trainer. There was like a time where, you know, think about in New York, nothing was open at one point, right? In the Mm -hmm. springtime. So it was like, I was like doing home workouts every day and like posting them to my stories and just kind of showing people like, you know, it doesn't matter like what size you are, like, let's just get moving. Right. And that was a great way for me to just kind of stay sane and, and really take care of my mental and physical health during that time where it was literally like the first time I'd ever been so still. Right. Um, I've, definitely invested in and immerse myself in building finance, building this community. Um, this page literally did not really even exist before January, 2020. So to get where I am now, it has been incredible and definitely has been, um, a labor of love throughout this, this time. And, and honestly, just something else I've immersed myself is in work. I actually, um, I changed jobs in the middle of, of this pandemic. Ooh, so I pandemic got, where <laughs> we okay. changed jobs, pandemic okay. where money moves still happening. Hey. I literally got an offer for, for my now employer, um, the week before New York city went down on lockdown. So it's been, you know, it's been super weird, even just navigating a new, 
organization fully virtually, but you know, I'm making the best of it. So I have been no shortage of less busy. Um, but it feels good because it can, it feels like the work I need to be doing on myself and, mm-hmm. and for, for my personal future. So I mean, you had a lot of fitness doing. influencer, entrepreneur. <laughs> now we climb the corporate ladder and, and to bigger and better opportunities. And, and for, for this COVID time, what, what really strikes me as kind of odd, and it seems like it happens with almost everybody, right? And of course, I want to be sensitive to people, you know, who have lost their jobs. But for those that haven't, it seems like it's been more on our plates. Like everybody is kind of trying to been um, filling their time with something more productive. It's almost been like a productivity Olympics, right? It's like if you don't come out of this with being able to bake sourdough bread or make super fire TikTok videos. Like, what have you been doing? And yeah, I remember those memes going around. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, who can be sure. the most productive? Um, For sure. So, you know, and yeah, I felt kind of bad because I wasn't really putting a bunch of podcasts out during that time. Because it was like, well, shit, nobody's going anywhere. But, yeah, you know, on the bright side is, is, is a time to kind of reflect and do other stuff that I mean to do around the house. Because, like, this is the first time I've been in my house for real for real like past a month like I I just bought a house and not just but it's been around two and a half almost three years so I bought this place in um oh was that 2018 April 2018 and uh like I traveled for work and then would travel just you know for for fun and leisure and stuff and there was like with my work schedule and personal I was here no more than three weeks at a time Okay. And so, like, it was when the quarantine finally happened, like, it was boxes still everywhere. Like, I was like, all right, I guess I got to be an adult and get my spot, like, cleaned up for real now. So. Yeah. But, you know, you went out and started, um, like you said, your brand in January of this year. Um, So what kind of made you say enough is enough and really go into creating finance? Yeah. So. It's funny, I have been thinking about launching a platform, a blog, talking about travel since 2018. Like Mm -hmm. that has been on my mind. Um, And that was really fueled by, you know, when I would post myself going on different places, even on my personal Instagram and amongst close friends, I would always get this question from people like, how are you affording to do this? You know, like at that point I was like, on an entry level salary in New York city. Um, and I felt like a lot of, a lot of my peers, a lot of friends who knew me personally would kind of see me and, and be like, wow, well, if she's doing all of this, like, why can't I, or like, how do I, you know, h- how can I learn from her? Don't tell me your friends um, was hating via the internet. Don't tell oh, me yes, they was out here. Hey, they was hating a little bit. No, no, no. no. I mean, no, no, no. No, I think it was general. I think it was general, general, uh, genuine curiosity. Right. Um, but you know, I think at the same time that I was getting this question, I was kind of feeling like, wow, there's something else I want to be doing. Right. We're talking about like now, two years ago, there's mm-hmm. something else I want to be doing. I want to be doing with my time. I want to be working on. Um, and then at the same time, I started to realize like, whoa, I am not the best at managing my money. Um, I'm still living off of credit cards in ways that I know aren't really sustainable. And when I talk with my friends, they don't know nothing either. Um, So as I started just kind of learning more about the personal finance space, following more accounts in the debt-free community on social media. um, And around this time, I first learned about FIRE, which is financial independence, retire early. All of these things like, I was just so curious about them. I wanted to keep talking about them and thought, wow, like I really feel like no one is talking about these two topics intersecting, right? How you can travel, travel even often if you choose to, but how you can still make other smart financial goals, how you can still work towards um, saving for retirement. And in my case, saving for saving and investing for a legacy that I want to leave behind. Right. Um, within our community, especially as like black millennials, I think we have to keep talking about wealth building. Uh, we can't afford to let another generation of people like us pass without learning, you know, what are the keys to building and keeping wealth, right? There's, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to be the first generation to leave 
lasting generational wealth for, for the people that come after us. So, you know, I was thinking about all of these things and, and just feeling like, wow, I want to, I want to put this out to the world, but then fear stepped in, right? I was so paralyzed by fear. Uh, I think for me, because I was also struggling with my own personal finances, I felt like this like imposter syndrome. Right, Like how am I going to do this when I can't even get my house in order? Hello, (laughs) you took the words right out of my mouth. So (laughs) I struggled through that for a while and, and had to really do the soul work on myself, uh, take care of my own mental health and, and understand what are the, what are the blockages that are even keeping me from, from dealing with the shit I need to deal with. Right. Mm -hmm. So I will say the tail end of 2019 is when I really started to like lay that foundation, you know, bought the domain name, started the like process of trademarking the name finance and all of this stuff. Uh, But I would say I came into January, 2020 with just like a really renewed energy and feeling like, no, now is, now is the time. It's like, if you ever had something that was eating at you, like it was just, it was drop, it was kind of drawing this like kind of sense of, anxiety in you because it's like you know you're not shedding your light into this and and you're meant to I was starting to feel that like so crazy it was just like okay I have to do this like I don't know what I'm talking about I don't I've never built a social media following before but I'm just gonna like put it out there um and and that's kind of been the journey and and I will say on on the personal finance side I kicked off this year saying I'm gonna be debt free this year um January 15th 2020 was the first day I'd ever added up all of my balances, ever really faced all of my debt. Mm-hmm. And when I did, it was over $23,000 in debt across credit card balances, personal loans that I had taken out in moments of distress um, and student loans. And, you know, quick story on my student loans. I ended up getting a full ride fellowship to go to graduate school at Wake Forest, um, but still ended up taking over $16,000 of student loans out because I felt like I needed money to live off of, right? It was just like, my mindset at that time was just such around scarcity. Like, I just felt like I I didn't, I didn't believe in like my ability to like attract money and, and, you know, and all of this stuff. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, January 15, 2020, I said, I'm going to do this. I still have that post on my Instagram feed. If you kind of scroll to the bottom of my Instagram feed, you'll see, I said in 2020, I'm going to travel to four countries on cash and I'm going to become debt free. Obviously COVID-19 significantly impacted that first goal. (laughs) Right. Um, But that second goal, I'm really, I'm really excited to say that, um, you know, to date I've paid over, I've paid off over $19,000 of debt um, and I'm on track to be debt free by New Year's Eve. So it's been, it's really been a journey. It's been a personal journey. It's been a journey of, you know, being a micro influencer and the things that come along with that. But, you know, I think enough is enough. I kind of hit that point where I was feeling like on one hand, I know I have big goals for myself in terms of personal goals. On another hand, people need to hear the the things that I want to talk about. And I've been really fortunate that, you know, so many people were receptive to it and, and it's been so well received. Absolutely. And now when you talk about the fire lifestyle, right, you kind of look yeah. at this big rock, right? That's the 23,000 and sorry, we got to keep chipping away at this. We got to keep chipping away at it. So for those who are unfamiliar or those who are skeptical, right? Because I first heard about the fire lifestyle um, in like a CNBC or one of those NBC articles, right? And yep. It yeah. was some some white woman who was like 30 and she was like, yeah, I live off like two dollars a day. This that, and the third. And then it got down to like the final paragraph. And it was like, oh, she didn't have any student loans because her parents pay for her to go to like Dartmouth. And they also yeah. pay her rent because she comes from wealth. And so I was like, well, <laughs> none of this matters. I just wasted the last four minutes reading this and literally none of this matters. Like, uh, stop it. So. From mm, someone who is actually living the lifestyle of most people who, you know, mm-hmm. d- you look, mommy and daddy may be helping, but they weren't helping like that based on what you just told no, me. No, so no, no, no. They were not how does like this that. work in, in practice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for context, the, the fire movement, financial independence, retire early, um, it, it's really this theory that everyday earners like you and me can passively build enough wealth, um, through investing in, and really diverse assets, but, mm-hmm. but mostly in low cost index funds that, that track, you know, the S and P 500 or other major indices. Um, and by doing that, by 
increasing our income, living below our means and investing the rest significantly over, you know, investing over 50% of your income that you can significantly shorten the amount of time that you have to work. Um, You know, when we talk about retirement, I think a lot of us think retirement is an age. When you get 65 is when you retire. No, retirement, how we should be thinking about retirement is around, you can retire when you have enough money and enough wealth in terms of assets to be able to say, at this point, I no longer have to work because my investments are generating enough annual income for me to to quit my job, right? And what you see in the FIRE movement is that people become so aggressive about saving, right? You're talking about, in this example, this white woman living on $2 a day. She's talking about the frugality around how she is saving and investing the bulk of her income so that she can become work optional in her 30s, right? Or in mm-hmm. her 40s, right? Um and I think for me, what that looks like in practice is is a couple things. I think one, it is developing a comfort around investing, right? So many of us, and I'm talking to us, those mm-hmm, of us who I'm, are mm-hmm. black millennials who are listening, really getting comfortable with the idea that like, there's nothing to be afraid of in terms of making smart investments, right? I'm not talking about day and swing training. Oh, no, oh, so, so, oh so we atta- are we personally to. attacking the Forex cast right now? Because we could go there. To- <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> We're not. You know, I'm ready I, to go I, down I, that road is what I'm saying. No, no, no. no. I, I don't want to do that. But I want to I want to dispel this myth that like, you know, like I, I feel like I have friends, for example, who will tell me, yeah, I've, I've saved $20,000. I'm like, that's great. So what are we doing now? Like what are we investing in? Right. Don't just have it to have it, make it work. Okay. Exactly. There is no way that we're going to be able to build enough wealth in our lifetimes unless we are open to investing. We have this stigma and, or not even stigma. It's a misconception that you can save your way to the lifestyle that you want. And exactly. Like a few years ago, right. I was dangerous myth. Yes. I was working and I was living at home. Right. I had just moved back. I used to live in Minneapolis. I just moved back to Atlanta and I was transitioning, trying to find, do I want to buy somewhere? Am I going to rent? And I was living at home and I'd saved like a really good amount of money up. And, um, I remember sitting there and I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do with this? Like, how can I invest this in a way or how can I do something with this to, um, not just have it kind of sit in the bank not earn any interest and, and how is this going to work? And I really wish, you know, and I, Fancy myself, like I have a couple investments, like some stocks and stuff like that, but you know, it's passive, right? Um, I'm not as aggressive with it. And seeing someone like you who is doing this and it's like, hey, no, don't just have it sit there, make it do something. I, yeah, me at my big age, wish I'd heard that advice a lot earlier. Well, it's never too late, right? No. I mean, there are people that start their their fire journeys, their their journeys to build wealth aggressively, even in their late 30s and 40s, right? I think we have to totally, we have to shift our mindsets around this idea that like, oh, so much time has passed and like now I'm, I'm out the race entirely, right? But, but that's just not the case, right? Mm-hmm. And I think another important thing around fire is, is living below your means, right? I, I, I think that's really hard for a lot of us. Um, and I'm not even gonna necessarily put race on it. I think as millennials, right? I think we, we've we grown up in the microwave age, right? We are so used to instant gratification. So many of us for the first time are, are, are hitting some of those like higher incomes, right? Making that six figure income, right? But the attendant around fire is that if you're making 70, 80, $90,000 a year, you don't spend that much in a year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that looks like really adjusting your priorities, right? I'll say for me, I live in New York City, but I also have two roommates. I don't have a car note, right? I don't have a mortgage. Um, my debt was was mostly a result of a bad money management in the past and student loans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so coming into 2021, assets only, right? I rent. Assets I, only. <laughs> okay, assets only, period. Um, you know, I, I'm also making those adjustments in my lifestyle to say, if this is a priority for me, if travel and financial freedom are a priority for me, then that means that I can't accumulate all this other stuff that's going to eat at my ability to build wealth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that third tenant is, 
is, um, you know, really learning the strategies of, of how you not only build wealth, but do it in a way that is going to generate you that, that passive income. So that's why I'm, I'm a big proponent around low cost index funds. And, you know, you can read a ton of things. Anyone who, um, you know, follows Warren Buffett knows that this is the number one uh, way that he's built, like the massive amounts of wealth that, that he has in his life. Um, you know, it, it's really about, it's really about, uh, you know, developing that discipline to say, no matter what the markets are doing, I believe in, in, I believe that my investments will continue to trend up. Right. So Mm -hmm. I don't even sit there and like watch the S and P 500. Like I don't sit there and like, I don't really watch stocks. I just continue to plow away, put my money into tax advantage accounts. Um, and, and really my goal is to build at least a, a million, $2 million nest egg. Um, and how fire works is that, you know, I think people are also like, okay, well, $2 million is not that much money. How are you living on that for the rest of, uh, of your life? Right. So a simple calculation that you do is, um, you determine the amount of money you want annually. Right. So for me, that's around a hundred thousand dollars. That's how much I would want to live off for the rest of my life. You multiply that by 25 and that gives you the number that you need to kind of set as your benchmark. That that's your fire number, right? If you ever heard this term fire number, um, that is what people have determined is the amount that they want to build up their portfolio to, to be able to, um, withdraw conservatively at around three to 4% annually once they hit retirement. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, because you're only taking a small chunk, <laughs> you're only taking a small chunk out every, every year, mm-hmm. the rest of your wealth is continuing to grow, right. right. And grow into perpetuity. Right. So and we're um, keeping this in, uh, in interest bearing savings account. I'm assuming we're not keeping them in savings account. No. Okay. We are keeping our wealth um, exposed to the market. So we're, we're keeping them in our, whether that's our, our 401ks, our, okay. our RIAs, you know, our brokerage accounts, we're keeping them in the accounts that expose us to the most interests that we can possibly earn. Right. Um, so, you know, there, there are a ton of books out there that I, I think people can read if they're more curious about the fire movement. Um, one mm-hmm. that I really like is Quit Like a Millionaire. Mm-hmm. It is written with millennials in mind by Christy Shen and, and, and Bryce Lung. Um, also, you could read um, The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. It's all about how index funds work and and how you can really uh, how anyone can really start working towards financial independence that way. And, and and what I love about that book is like, I think we also have been taught that like, Oh, wealth building is so difficult. It requires all this strategy. You got to like watch all these charts and all this stuff, other stuff. And, and he really dispels that. I mean, and he's a multimillionaire. I mean, he came from wealth, but Mm -hmm. he's a multimillionaire and, and shows other people how to do it. Right. Um, and then another book that I really recommend is I will teach you be rich by, uh, Ramiz Sethi, um, which is, is more about like just building the foundations around, your money overall and just some of the things you got to think about when it's like, you know, just as money decisions come up in your life, you're like, how can you just keep that kind of rich mindset right. um, as you kind of go through your financial decisions? So for me, I feel like fire is for everyone. Um, I think it's attainable for everyone. Okay. Right. I don't think that everyone is willing to have the discipline mm-hmm. to significantly live below their means. Right. I think a lot of us, you know, we want that fancy car. We want these symbols of success. We want that, that house. And we may be okay taking out that mortgage to do that. Right. Personal finance is personal. You got to do what works best for you. Um, but I think for me, I am real, real serious about becoming work optional before 40. So that also looks like I'm, I'm making certain decisions that I don't feel like a lot of my peers are right. I don't, I don't think about buying a house right now. I'm not thinking about, um, you know, investing in in a car right now. When I think about living in New York city, I'm okay. Kind of like not living in the most fancy of places because I know I want my, um, I know I want the bulk of my income to go towards my investments. And also I think, especially as black people is getting comfortable saying I'm going to increase my income. So whether that's like through my job, being promotion ready, leaving companies to get a better salary, right. Thinking big picture, right. Um, or launching that business, right? For me, it was turning finance once I got to a certain point and I was just like, whoa, I'm growing this page 
exponentially, but I have no products. I have no offer. I have no service. How can I take this passion, this hobby that a lot of people are really drawn to and turn it into a business that's also going to help me accelerate my fire goals, right? So I think we also got to get comfortable with this idea and normalize this idea that like, it's okay that we make more money, right? And, And not just always to fill that need, but really to, to help us accelerate our goals. So um, I, I really believe that this lifestyle is for everybody. I don't think everybody has the grit or is, is no, not everybody's determined, it. but I think we all need to think seriously about how we're building wealth in our respective ways. Right. Even if you're not committed to this whole, like I'm trying to be on this like sprint to retire early, that doesn't mean that you still shouldn't be investing for retirement, um, learning the ways that, that people build and keep sustainable wealth um, and, and really just, and putting yourself in a position to not think about, Oh, I'm trying to make these fast gains, but like, I like that we all need money to, to be able to live out our lives comfortably um, and healthily in our later parts of life. So not just thinking for the now, but really thinking for the future too. Absolutely. Um, And one thing you talked about was, you know, we all have our goals, right? And yeah. we talked about not being able, you you can't save your way to wealth. Um, no. But one of the investments or the vehicles we have for savings, most people, right, are 401k. And in one of your posts, I, I can't remember if it was a post or if you said it on something, yeah, it was, but you talked yeah. about um, how you use your 401k to pay off, was it part or all of your student loans? Like, how does yeah. that work? Yes. So let, let me, let me give you the realty on that. So, um, so what a lot of people didn't realize is that in March of this year, March, 2020, when the, the cares act for COVID relief was put into, um, was, was put into law. Right. I think a lot of us thought about the stimulus package. Right. And I'm sure a lot of us heard about like all of the fiascos around small business loans and things. But what people didn't know that was that there was also a provision in that CARES Act that was around being able to withdraw penalty free from your retirement account. So outside of 2020. Right. Exactly. People don't know that outside of 2020. Right. Um, you would get a penalty if you were younger than 59 and a half and tried to withdraw from your 401k. Right. It's meant to be this safe vehicle that says, right, all these ideas around oh, retirement is in your 60s. Right. So these accounts penalize you if you kind of withdraw from them too early. Um, but as part of the CARES Act. Right. Their way of giving people relief was saying, oh, well, if you have this money in your 401k, you can make a withdrawal and we aren't going to penalize you. And actually we are going to even reduce the, the tax liability that you have. Right. So as part of that, the money that you withdrew under a, a a COVID um, relief or COVID withdrawal, you actually have three years um, to either pay that money back or pay the taxes on it. Right. So if you think about $10,000, if you withdrew $10,000 from your 401k under a COVID withdrawal and you're at a, you know, a, a, 25% tax rate, for example, you wouldn't necessarily have to all take that burden. The next time you pay taxes, you actually have three years to kind of break out that tax, um, that, that tax responsibility or put the money back. Right. Um, so for me, I was at a point, uh, like I told you, um, in the beginning of our, uh, interview, I decided to leave my job, um, in in March. Um, and, and I want to say that that was fully a decision that I made for my financial future. Right. Mm -hmm. I was, um, I was offered, uh, my offer was 30% more than what I was making at, um, at my previous job. So like that, and I was already a high earner. So that was a lot, it was a lot of money. Right. Right. And and I couldn't just let that opportunity pass me by. Right. Um, so when I did that, I moved, I, I rolled over the bulk of my, um, 401k savings. Right. Um, but you know, around like, uh, what was that May or so I ended up getting my last like quarterly contribution from my previous employer. So they would make contributions on my behalf to, to my 401k. Right. Um, so it was about $1,700 that I, that I had gotten in terms of that quarterly contribution from my previous employer. And, you know, there were a couple of things I could have done, right? I could have rolled it over with the rest of my 401k savings. I could have rolled it into an IRA, which is an individual retirement account, which just gives you more options to invest in. Um, or I could withdraw it, right? And when I was on the call, when I was on the phone with the specialist, they were kind of like, hey, do you know about your options? I was just like, you know, just tell me about them, right? And they were kind of telling me about the COVID withdrawal, right? At that point, right, it's, it's still April, early April, 
May or so. Um, so all of us were being impacted by COVID-19. There was not a single person whose job was not impacted by, tw- by COVID-19. So I, I want to caveat by saying that you have to fit the criteria of, of saying that this is a COVID-related withdrawal, right? Um, there were a lot of different reasons. And if you go to the IRS, um, irs.gov and kind of look up um, COVID-19, you know, 401k withdrawal, you'll see like the list of criteria. But at that point, everybody was being impacted by COVID, right? right. Um, in terms of like your job hours, job location, you know, like like anyone could make the case. And, and of course, I, I documented that like this was relevant to my experience, right? Um, but when I took that COVID withdrawal for seventeen hundred dollars, I was just thinking, wow, I'm on this I'm on this journey to become debt free. Mm-hmm. And at this point, this seventeen hundred dollars could help me pay off one of my three student loans. Um, so that was the decision that I made for myself, right? I, 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 I did the math. I did the quick math and I definitely encourage anyone, if you're going to do that to always do the quick math, I did the quick math of like, what is the $1,700 actually going to be worth to me in the long run? If I just kind of put it into, uh, the rest of my retirement savings. And I think I was okay with the idea that like, I was going to get a more of a bump on my, on my debt-free journey. Um, and, and be okay with the fact that I was temporarily like kind of, um, kind of uh, keeping more of that wealth building activity away. But, um, but yeah, it was the right decision for me. Again, it was a very specific COVID-19 withdrawal. It was only, again, this small amount that was kind of like thrown at me a little bit later. I did not touch the bulk of my 401k savings. And I would say for most people, you shouldn't be touching your 401k savings unless you have a very clear strategy and plan in terms of how you're going to make that money back. I say it's not worth it. But I think for me, it was a small enough amount that I felt like, this could really actually help me kind of pay off debt a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very confident that in the next three years, I'll, I'll have enough income to just kind of throw that $1,700 back and, and not be taxed on it. So, yeah. so that's kind of how I, how I saw it. And I definitely encourage folks so long as this year is, is still, you know, we're still in 2020. We're still under these provisions of COVID-19 to, to definitely learn the different, relief that's out here right because it 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 might be a a good idea for you right and and even you know i I have a friend for example that like withdrew from her 401k took about ten thousand dollars out of her 401k she's also in her 20s like me and it helped her put money down on a commercial mixed-use property right so it's like yeah you know like that makes sense right that makes sense right exactly and she's literally she made that money back in like five or six months, you know, but like now has like a mixed use property in a historic district in Philadelphia. She has the air rights to her building. Like she lives in the top, has a commercial tenant. Right. So it's just like, we also just have to learn about different ways that we can use Mm -hmm. strategies and using what we have to, to get what we want. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's kind of my, my 401k withdrawal story. Now that makes a lot of sense. And in doing that, taking the money out, putting it back or paying the taxes. Like, I feel like that is an important caveat. Like you can't just take the money out and be just chilling. Right. Like there has to be a strategy to replace it. Like they're not going to let you slide like that. Just no, no, take this money and do what you want. But if you do have, like you said, or your friend, if you do have a strategy that makes like perfect sense. Um, Perfect sense. So, (laughs) and also what I meant to say, I really like the name finance too. That Thank is, you. That's 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 nice. That's 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 cool. I like that. So I appreciate it. <laughs> with um with financed, right? And this lifestyle, like how does one avoid like that hedonistic treadmill, right? Because like one of the ways to help you in fire is increasing your income. Yeah. And I you know, I, I guess it could come down to 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 personal accountability and discipline, but it's like, you know, the more we make uh, there's a tendency to spend a little bit more. Um, so yeah, for you personally, pretty- how do you, is it really just the, uh, this is where I am and this is where I want to be. And is it that discipline or have you kind of put some parameters in place to be like, okay, I know that I'm not going to do, you know, X and Y, even though I'm making, uh, this much, uh, more money from my, like you said, 30% more of your current job. Cause most people, yeah. if they do that, their expenses then go up by 30%. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'll say for me in 2020, obviously getting that 
that salary bump during um, during the lockdowns around COVID-19 meant that like my expenses literally did not change. Um, right. Mm. And actually, like I probably had less expenses. Right. Because I'm not commuting. I'm not going into work. Just so many things that like kind of were part of my lifestyle to just like ensure that I was like a productive present person at my job weren't part of the picture, right? Like I wasn't spending money on grooming. I wasn't spending money on a wardrobe, you know, just so many things that we kind of think about as part of like our corporate jobs. I wasn't doing, um, that's fair, but I will say, you know, in terms of that lifestyle creep question, one way that I do it is, uh, and that's why I love, I will teach you to be rich because like, I think we also got to change our mindset around like even living within a budget or living within like a tracking plan you still have to create space for the things that you absolutely love. And for me, that's traveling. Exactly. For me, that's traveling. So for me, that looks like having a system where I'm front loading my travel savings, but I'm also front loading my investments. And what that means is that when I get paid, when I automate my different contributions and distributions into different accounts that I use to manage my, my finances and build my wealth, I am investing first and spending later. Mm. Right. So that is a way that I, that's a way that I've been, even in this debt-free journey, able to kind of like dump, you know, like 30 and 40% of my like income every month towards paying off like my debt, right? How I've been able to throw up numbers like, like some months I've paid like $3,000 in debt in a single month or like $2,000 in debt a single month, right? Is because I've been able to create a system with my money to say, okay, my variable spending money goes over here. But all the bulk of this other money, it has to get invested. Once it's invested, I can't take it out. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to take it out, right? Exactly. So creating that system for myself, I think, has allowed me to, like, um, stay out of lifestyle creep. But I think it's also just, like, I think it is a part of what you're saying, right? It, it's developing that grit to say, if I truly want to achieve fire, I have to be okay kind of letting go of some of that instant gratification that I feel like I want um, and, and that shit is super that. instant. Like you go buy exactly. those expensive tennis shoes or that handbag or that whatever, and it makes you feel good. Like maybe walking out of the store. Yep. But then after that, like you know these these buying these possessions isn't really going to make you happy. Right. And I think for me, and I'll say that being perfectly honest, I think I'm not a super frugal person. Like I still like spoiling myself i I think that's an important thing to say because a lot of people think like oh these people that do this they're like super cheap anyway so it's easy for them it's like Like, no like i'm someone that like like i said i got into debt because i was an overspender because i didn't um because I, I, I wasn't conscious of where I was spending, right? I would just spend a spend. Oh, it's plastic. That means there's money on it, right? Like that was my mindset in my early 20s. Um, so I think for me, like I, I have to just create a system for myself that's still going to give me that that freedom and flexibility to say, okay, like I want to I wanna order takeout tonight or I want to go to this nice dinner or something or, you know, or I want to, you know, buy some skincare products because you, you know, like I, I still create space in my, in, in my budget and in the way I track my money to do that. But by front loading my travel savings, for example, my emergency savings and my investments, it just means that the bulk of my income is already gone. Like it's, it's spent, but it's not spent on things that aren't actually like leading me to more of that long-term wealth that I'm looking towards. And I'll say also, I've always been a highly competitive person. And I think once you kind of like get into this fire lifestyle, you start to become very, um, I don't want to say obsessed, but (laughs) start to really get excited by the numbers, excited by how much your wealth is growing, right? Um, You start to say, wow, if I really push myself, I could get into that next $100,000, you know, like threshold, right? Like how much more can I make my wealth go up this year? You know, so like it becomes addicting in that way. It almost becomes like a game for yourself and like, how much money can I really save and invest? And I'll say also being in this community, being in this space, especially on social media, where you see people who are anonymous who post all their numbers and you're just like, whoa, you've been able to invest how much? For example, a great account that I love to follow, um, they're a black anonymous family, but pursuing fire is for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Um, literally in twenty in 2020 alone, I think they've, they've saved and invested over $95,000. Sheesh. By 
doing exactly what I'm saying, like increasing their income, living below their means. And they're completely anonymous. So they lay it all out in terms of like, when we get paid, this is where we're putting all our money. They save for, they have a daughter, they save in her 529 savings account, right? It's just so many things, so many great things that they're talking about in terms of their wealth building journey. Of course, they're completely anonymous. So we don't know who they are. Um, but I think it's, it's a, I think it, it becomes addicting when you're in this space because you got, you start to see, well, so-and-so, dang, so-and-so just hit $250,000 net worth. Or like, so-and-so just, just did this. Like, yes, this is, this is invigorating me to keep going. So I think that's another way that I kind of um, have been thinking about it in my debt-free journey and, and how I'm thinking about keeping lifestyle creep at bay, um, even in my asset only life. See, I love this peek behind the curtain because social media is, um, a performative tool for the end product, right? So by end product is like, whether you're looking at people who are vacationing in these super nice places and they're staying at Ritz Carlton's and (laughs) renting out islands and getting picked up from the airport and Rolls Royces and flying private, like that's the end product. So what happens before that? Like what is the dirty work that it takes to get there? It's investing. It's the stuff that traditionally isn't sexy, right? Like, Exactly. Taking an honest look at your finances and saying, dang, I'm, I'm kind of fucked up right now. Or yep. being like, all right, I'm in this better place. Let's do this. Um, yep. And when you see that, a lot of times people get caught up in the performative aspect saying, well, shoot, I got this, you know, $15,000 limit on my credit card. You know, let me go ahead to Neiman and get right for this trip to Tulum so that I can show these people that I'm doing all right. But they're not yep. actually doing the work. They're performing and Mm -hmm. everything that you just talked about is laying that groundwork so that you don't have to perform is literally just, this is how I have curated my life um, to be. And we talk about savings, the index funds, putting your money into these different places. Now, how do you, where's that kind of inflection point between the saving and the traveling is all of your traveling done by, just cash holdings or do you have like a point system where like, all right, I pay this on a credit card and pay that credit card off. Like, you know, the next day to get the points. So then I can use points to buy a flight or stay at a hotel. Or mm-hmm. like I said, are you just strictly like, look, I'm if this trip to, you know, the Bahamas, I think is going to cost me $2,000. I'm saving 2000, putting 2000 on it. Yeah. So I do a little bit of both. Um, I'll say I, I definitely, prioritize saving for travel and a travel fund. Um, so, I mean, that's just a fancy way of saying I have like a separate saving, I have a separate checking account for, for travel related expenditures. So every time I get paid money goes into that checking account, it's separate. So I don't see it in my, in my day to day and I don't touch it in my day to day unless I am actually paying for travel. Um, and I use a Charles Schwab high yield checking account just because you don't ever pay ATM fees and no foreign transaction fees, which is like huge. All Um, right. So people need to realize that Charles Schwab account mess with it is might be the way to go. Right. That. And I know people like capital one three sixty, um, but I, I didn't use that one. Um, so, but I also, I also do use, um, points. So I've honestly been points harvesting right now. Um, so I probably have like, over a hundred thousand like American express points right now, just kind of sitting there and like over a hundred thousand Delta sky miles and, mm. and how I accumulated them is from, yeah, like in 2019, I opened cards. Um, I also worked in the, I, I work in the credit card industry. I previously worked, um, for American express and, and kind of was seeing how things work from the inside and kind of learning these different, like, tips of the trade of like, Oh, this is how people are like, you know, like working for Amex. I was seeing this is how people game us. Like, this is how people are like getting so much value from these cards Mm -hmm. and paying little to nothing on them. Granted, I'm probably not there yet in terms of like my journey, like just getting so aggressive with travel hacking, but that's a whole other, like, whole other thing that's a whole other podcast i'll come back tonight i'll come back to your podcast to talk about that right right um but so many people in fire do use travel hacking as a way to reduce the amount of cash that they actually have to use um for their travel so right now i kind of use a mix of both um i am saving cash um for my travels and um and have been kind of saving consistently even in this month in terms of travel this 
this year I've only, I've done Dominican Republic and I'm doing like Mexico a little bit later. So it's been, it's definitely been a much lighter travel year than I was ever expecting. Um, but it's funny because I think I'm at this place now where I'm like, even looking to 2021, I think in years past, I would like just be so like obnoxious with like all these places that I want to see. Right. But it's so interesting that I feel like I'm at this place now where like, I obviously still love travel and I will probably still be on this. Like I got to just go somewhere every quarter, but I don't feel that same like urge to like escape that I, I used to feel mm. um, because I think I'm, I'm really coming to grips with like, I'm still in that build stage. Like I am still building the foundation, like what we've been talking about in terms of building wealth. And when I hit my fire goals, I will still be young enough to still travel extensively and, and that's mm-hmm. definitely something that I see for myself in terms of, of 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 how my life is going but I'm also really open to the idea of of living abroad during this period of me building wealth right so um even in 2021 I'm, I'm really thinking about um about spending some time outside of the country just to to really lower the amount of expenses that I actually have. Like mm. anyone who's familiar with the term, it's just geographical arbitrage, right? It's getting paid in US dollars and pretty much like using that to your advantage in a in a country or territory where right. the local currency is 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 so much weaker. Right. It's than, less value, right. Exactly. So so for me, for example, if I'm looking at, for example, Mexico City, I can get a a nice Airbnb or even a nice apartment in Mexico city for under a thousand dollars a month. I pay a thousand dollars a month in rent right now. Right. So even just thinking about those things, right. Um, so, so is, I, I is think, Mexico city the dream destination or is that just an example? I think 20, uh, for 2021, Mexico city is calling me. It's calling me. Heavy. I've never heard anything bad about Mexico city. Ever. You never heard wow. nothing bad about Mexico city. And then it's just like this megatropolis. Like, how is that possible? Like how are so many black people in particular, in mm-hmm. love, like, there's probably not another place that I've heard so many black women be like, you just got to go. Like, it's so cosmopolitan. People are friendly. It's so li- like people that yeah. aren't even about that travel lifestyle, but just have gone, you know, so it's just like, oh, yeah. something is calling me there. I, yeah. I got to go there. Yeah, I've heard right? nothing but good things about Mexico City. And honestly, it's probably been in the past, like, maybe five or six mm-hmm. years. And yep. I think a lot of that has to do with what we a lot of people think Mexico is. Um, mm. It's not it's not just what you see on TV and border crossings right. and stuff like that. Like Mexico right. is a, it's a regular place, right? Like yeah. they've got a bunch of stuff there that I want to do a bunch of nice restaurants, like cool hotels, like attractions. <laughs> yeah. Like I need to hit Mexico city. I, I think it might be in my 2021 um, list as well, but you know, shit, we got to finish 2020 first. So we're going to see For sure. how we this goes. Yeah. So what's the, what place do you want to go the most what is the dream destination and not just to live but just to kick it there's so many places mm-hmm. across the continent of africa that i want to see right? okay like, all right we taking like it back the home Seychelles. okay right like mm-hmm. the seychelles like i've never been to accra i've never been to nairobi right like i want to go to dakar i want to go to tanzania the car like, looks beautiful from okay, all the Dakar pictures I've seen, insane, Senegal looks right? great. Yeah, <laughs> right. I want to see, you know, the pyramids of Giza. You know, like mm-hmm. I want to float along the Nile River. Right there, there's so many places. Like, um, when I was when I was in high school, I I went to Israel, like with a with a youth program, and some of the youth that we lived with were refugees, and some of them were from Ethiopia. And the way that they like just seeing the culture through them made me mm-hmm. like be like, I want to go to Ethiopia too. Right, so. That's actually, that's not just one destination. That's a slew of destinations. But um, something I'm putting out in the world is that I'm going to take a sabbatical in the next three to five years and just give myself the luxury of exploring the continent. Like, like I'm in this travel space. I call, I consider myself a travel blogger, a travel mm-hmm. entrepreneur. Um, so that's the next frontier for me. I'm like looking around my room cause I have all these, like, I have all these like symbols of, of the continent. So uh-huh. it's, it's something that I keep very kind of like close to myself. It's, it feels like a spiritual, I feel a spiritual connection to, um, to the continent. Like, you know, that, that is where like our distant ancestors are from. Right. Um, so that's not just one destination, but when I think about, I've seen a lot of the world and I've been very fortunate to like, I've, I've, I've done a lot of places in Asia. I've made it to Australia and New Zealand. I've 
made it to a lot of countries in, in Europe. Um, so when I think about the places I haven't really explored, it's really South America and, and the continent of Africa. I've been to Cape Town, South Africa, but even within South Africa, there's so many places I want to like, you know, check out. Like I want to see what Johannesburg is. I want to go to Soweto and just, mm-hmm. you know, learn the history there. So, so I think that's what gets me really excited is thinking about, um, is is kind of creating a lifestyle for myself so that I am in a few years able to to kind of do that and not and not necessarily worry about money. That's real. And with that excitement, right, of all these um, future destinations, especially with Africa, and I really like Africa, right? I've been to I've only been to South Africa and Morocco, but it's like a mm-hmm. uh, I tell people this to have a band. You kind of get a different sense of a feeling of, of of calmness when you're in Africa. I didn't have it as much in Morocco, but like in South Africa, I remember I was a kid when I went like, you know, in the teens, but you still feel like a a cheesy home sense, right? Like, oh, like it's a yeah. calming effect, yeah. um, which is really hard to explain. And a lot of people might not believe you, but when and if you go, you'll feel it. Um, yeah. And so with all those great experiences, what has been the worst um, trip you've been on? Like, like, for example, I went to Cuba um, for my 30th and ended up running out of money. Like you can't, you can't use credit cards there. Um, I'm sure you were aware of that, but you can't use credit cards, debit cards there. So you got to take cash. And I underestimated how much cash I would need. Um, So I ran out of money and had to buy an earlier flight back uh, because I didn't have any food or no way to buy it. So I hope yours isn't that bad. Yeah. You know, when you like this question is interesting because I really have to, I really got to think, I don't, I definitely, I've been blessed to say I have not had situations like that. I think probably my trip to Thailand was probably like the worst trip I've been on. Um, but it like nothing catastrophic happened. So why I say it was like the worst trip I've been on is like, I think one, I had all these perceptions of Thailand that I don't really feel like Thailand lived up to. (laughs) I think that's one. I think too, um, just for like dumb reasons, like that was like the one trip I didn't buy travel insurance for. And like, I ended up, uh, I ended up losing my phone. How did I lose my phone or did it fall somewhere? I can't remember somehow with my phone. And I like, that was like the only thing that I was using to like take pictures and everything. So I, I lost like all of the like content and footage from Thailand. So Damn. like, it, it sucks, right? I'd gone to the Fifi Islands by myself and like, it it, it would have been major, right? Mm-hmm. With all the content that I had. Um, this is a solo trip? I, this was, so I ended up going with like a small group and that's okay. also another reason why I feel like it was probably the worst trip I went mm-hmm. on because I didn't really, I didn't love the experience I had with the travel group that I went with, okay. um, unfortunately. Uh, we were a very small group. Some of the like housing, some of the accommodations weren't really the best that were selected for us. And like, if you want to call know. somebody out, we can do that here and I can add them in the <laughs> no, comments. I'm, no. we, we're, we're embracing conflict on the one now file stands podcast. They are someone that I know personally <laughs> that they're definitely a friend and I like supported their business, but it, it was not for me in terms <laughs> of like the experience. Um, and, and then, you know, with it, with group trips, sometimes you're overpaying for like the experience, right? Like you're going to a place where it's like Thailand is not that expensive, nah. but if I paid $2,000 to go for a 10 day trip, I'm expecting a different level of, you know, a, a different level of, of, luxury i've never been to thailand but i've been to asia and i know 200 dollars a day you should be able to live like like kings and queens right i need to be able to live like an nba player not like in a little shack man yo you was in a shack child i need to talk to the manager (laughs) i need to speak to management talk to management and then i think even within that i guess i i um i didn't really like love bangkok and i think that kind of like soured how I felt like, I know some people like are like, Oh my God, Bangkok is like one of the best cities in the world. But I don't know if it, maybe I got to give it another chance. Like it was cool going to the temples and seeing like, um, you know, like, like, you know, some of the temples that just make up that when you think of Thailand, you see these images, like those are in Bangkok, but I didn't really love it. Like, I just felt like it was so chaotic and it took forever to get everywhere. There was so much traffic. Like I didn't really have like any amazing 
culinary experiences. So it's just like, it, yeah. it was a weird trip. Like it just was, it was a weird trip. I feel like if I would, I don't even, and at this point it's so crazy because I don't even feel like Thailand is someone, a place like I'm even that hyped to go back to. Like, it's just like, eh, eh. Nah, like, I hear you. The whole trip just kind of like, even kind of just like sour my ideas of, of Thailand. Like it's like, yeah, Phuket is cool. But like, am I going out of my way to go back to Phuket? Hell no. Like, it, okay. If, if nah, no, you know, so that was probably the worst trip I've been on just because like I lost my phone, my luggage ended up getting lost, like, and delayed on the way back. I didn't love the experience. And then just overall, I felt like Thailand left, left, left more to be desired for me personally. So and then thinking about how much I actually paid for the trip, it was just kind of like, yeah, this was like a 3000 plus trip. And I kind of just like, eh, about it. Right. I, I don't want to pay three racks and feel like I got $800 worth of value out of it. Ooh, speak on that. I don't, I don't, I can't do that. Nah. Okay. But like okay. Asia, one thing I really like about it is, you know, there, there's so much culture. And one thing about Asia and Africa that I don't feel in Europe and Europe is great. Like I don't dislike Europe. Like Europe is exactly. cool. Um, yeah. But one thing you, I don't necessarily get is like that. And it's like this in South America too. Like that sensory overload of like, everything is different. Yeah. Um, when you go to Europe, it's like very similar to a lot of places are very similar to America, but like culturally Europe is very similar to us. Um, yeah. In a lot of ways, in a lot of ways it's different. Strong. Yeah. But when you step off the plane in Mumbai, like <laughs> it is a completely different world. Like yes. there might be like a mule just standing there. Like how did the mule get here? Get on the like, tarmac. Right? right. How did the mule get here? Like, why is it this close? Why is there a right. man with no shoes there? I feel <laughs> right. like you need to have shoes to be able to come into, into the airport, but not, right. not here. That's not a rule. Right. And so it's just like everything almost is flipped on his head. And you have to realize like, that's the beauty in it. Um, yes. It's not something to turn your nose up at. It's, this is how these people are comfortable. This is how um, kind of they live their life and, and, and things are going here. So you just adapt and, and, and flow with it. Yeah. No. And I think that was probably what was most disappointing about like my time in Thailand is because to your point, like I love traveling around Asia, like, like, you know, when I studied abroad in Vietnam, like it was incredible. Like, oh, you know, like, yes, like going to Indonesia, being in Bali, it was like incredible, right? Like my time in Japan, incredible. Like Love even, Japan. even being in, you know, like, oh, or like when I went to Hong Kong, it was just like, yo, Hong Kong is lit as shit. Yes, I've um, heard that. Not Beijing, you know, though. Beijing is very no, sterile. I've never been to Beijing. I was like, even in Shanghai where like I did give the occasional people that were just kind of like, Oh my God, a blackie. Um, (laughs) What what, what are you doing here? Right. It's just like, huh, can I take a picture with you? Snap, snap, snap. Right. Um, But no, the Beijing Chinese are different. I I had a quite a a few run-ins with them in Rome where just like people would follow me around, like to just like take pictures of me and like try to like sneak, sneak pictures with me. It was, it was wild. Yeah. Yeah. The Beijing Chinese are like, yeah, it's I'm probably on somebody's like living room mantle at this point. Like, (laughs) it's like me with my first nigga. Right. First one I've met. Look at that. Look at how proud she is to have met me. (laughs) She's in so hard. Um, So, yeah. And I think that's probably also why like Thailand just kind of left more to be desired. Because I was just like, dang, like I just I love it here. Like there's so many other cities that I want to see and, you know, and in uh in asia that it was just kind of like wow it has such high hopes for like phuket chiang mai bangkok and it was just kind of like eh. <laughs> yeah but it is what it is you know yeah so you've done quite a bit you start you, new job fire lifestyle you know we paying off debts yes. we, we shitting on asia we're, we've done a lot <laughs> we've done a lot so what is so what is next what is yeah, next so for what, you? What is the con- where is the content going? Yeah, so what's next for me is I'm really excited that I am launching my first course on how to afford traveling often for the low, right? Mm-hmm. I want to share all of the the strategies, the tips and the secrets that I use to be able to travel at every income and, and really help 
anyone who's out there who feels like, wow, financial barriers are keeping me from traveling or keeping me even from exploring the idea of travel. I want to just kind of dispel that myth and create a course that's going to be affordable and really exciting for anyone to use, right? Things that we don't even think about also when we're traveling, right? I think a lot of people get hooked up on the idea of like, oh, saving for travel means like catching flight deals. And what we know is there's so much more than that, right? It's like creating a system to be able to finance it and finance it sustainably, right? It's how do you avoid miscellaneous fees right when we think about for example I never pay for baggage and how I'm able to do that mm-hmm. right um, or even in this environment in this climate where you shouldn't feel this pressure that you can't take advantage of when you you know see those airfares or, or catch those deals where you're just like this is such a good price for this flight right in my course like showing people how to get a refund from airlines like and you don't have to accept this travel credit like especially in this climate so important to know right and just all of the different things that I think about um, having that introduction to travel hacking so many people mm-hmm. I think especially in our community are, are first now learning about travel hacking how I really break that down and 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 even explain some of the secrets right coming from the consumer credit industry um, so I'm really excited packaging all of that together into a course that I know everyone's gonna love and it's gonna be affordable for 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 a lot of people um so that's what's coming next it is dropping this month november 2020 so you can definitely check out the link in my bio at fly.nance for more details on that course and yeah and i'm just really excited to to just be sharing this information and and creating what i'm gonna consider is going to be uh you know the Bible for traveling and affording affording travel often. I I am definitely going to be traveling smarter and not working harder on my savings account. Okay. I'm definitely going to be uh, clicking the link and getting that um, that financed uh, content assets yes. only. All 2020 is almost over, but 2021 assets only. Okay, this whole decade is assets only. It's feeling like big assets only energy. Big assets only energy. But no, nah, I uh, I'm looking forward to that, and I appreciate you joining me. I really enjoyed yes. the conversation. Yeah, this um, was great. Thank you so much for having me. After the content comes out, and after the, the we have started on the journey, I'm definitely gonna have to have you back on. Um, okay. Because I know the people listening will want to hear more. Because travel saving saving for travel is definitely one of the barriers to entry. Definitely. All right. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Me, 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 me